Motown Rundown. Today is January 12th. We are recording at 11.42 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that's how much we care about you. And boy, do we have an episode this week. Um, It could have gone one of two ways, fellas. We talked about it last week. Um, and I'm glad that we are, uh, we're going to be in a happy mood here. Um, although it is not a victory Monday, it is a victory Thursday for us here. As of course we are alluding to the fact that this will be a lion's heavy podcast today. Um, we do have some other things to talk about, but I got to tell you guys, I'm feeling good. I know it's late. I appreciate the both of you being here. I know that the people listening can listen on their own time, but we put in the hours here. We got the stream yard going. Everyone's looking good. I just got home from working the Wings game, an unbelievable 4-1 to win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Thank you very much for coming out. You Toronto fans, get home safe. Um, but no Wings today, no Pistons. I ran upstairs. I changed into my Lions hat and my Lions pajama pants, and I'm ready to go. I don't know how you guys are feeling, but it's all good on this end. How are we doing? Um, I want... The officials, I, I'm not going to say what I was just going to say. The officials in the Dad, Seattle. Well, Dad, I'll say it if you want to bet. <laughs> no, I, it's I've it's wished close. upon several people on this podcast. I I don't think I've ever been that invested in a game that my team is not playing in. And, like, there's been a couple times for Michigan State, like back in the day, when it's like they need someone to lose, have an opportunity to go to the Big Ten Championship and stuff like that. I legit – that Rams game is probably the most heartbroken I've been at a sports game. <laughs> I can't even tell you. It's been that. It was the most excruciating loss of my entire sports calendar this year. Yeah, I know. It's the fact that it wasn't sudden either. It was a slow – because it was like they missed the kick, and then it's like, oh, shit, we're going to OT, and then the Rams are driving, and then of all people, it's Quandre Diggs who makes the – Makes the pick to well, kill you. Well, first of all, it's not even that. It's like, oh, they missed. That's what it was for grounding. me. It was that for me. It was that they missed intentional grounding. Oh, it's a clear. I've watched the NFL for the last five years. I've never seen them call that in the last five years. That running into the kicker, they never call that anymore. Yeah. Well, and he didn't even run into him. He got every, he every single like quote unquote expert, so so called Dean Blandino or whatever, with a with a talking head was like that was a terrible call. And I had, and God bless him, Kenneth Walker, I had to watch him rip my, it's like my own brother ripping my own heart out. <laughs> Cain and Abel. I mean, I, first of all, if you're a Michigan fan, you got double fucked this week watching him. You're like, this sucks. Even like, <laughs> what the hell? But, um, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, it's, I was like, I'm terrified every time he touches the ball. So, ah, oh, Seattle should have lost that game, but. Like you said, it's good vibes over here in Detroit because, like we said last week, I think when we talked about this, like regardless of what happened in that Seattle game, there wasn't a great chance that Seattle was going to lose. If you go out and take care of business, that sets up a lot of things in motion for the future, and they were able to get it done. TB, what's going on in your corner of the screen? Life is good. I've, I've spent the week teaching. No, I, okay, here's the thing. When you when you're substitute teaching, I don't like to really say you're teaching. You're kind of you're managing. I, I manage somehow. Yeah, load I manage. management. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. It's load management. So, um, I've had I don't know. It's been a, it's been a long week. I'm I'm kind of gassed, but um, all good on this end. You want to say victory Monday? It's not a victory Monday, but it's it's let's call it a victory off season. We get to have good vibes with this team for the next four months. 
and it's going to be fantastic. I just did terrible math there. A lot longer than four months. <laughs> it's going to be great. Whatever it is, it's going to be great. Um, I will say this, though. The, the internal dread that my football season is over for my teams is as hit, and it's and it hurts. Yeah, and I do think given the way that the Lions had, like whatever their playoff chances were, essentially being in someone else's hands as much as it was their own. And now you're seeing all these teams gear up for the playoffs and it's like, well, they should, you know, it, it, it just, it sucks that that's what it came down to. And I'm not going to play the game of, well, if they would have won, hey, like, fuck that. They, they were six and one to start the, or one and six to start the season. And they came all the way back to finish the year like that. I'm not playing that game with you. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, but to see like the NFC power rankings come out of like the, am I still on my computer screen? Just froze. What's going on? No, right you're here? on. You're on. I mean, this is just this is. You're on. I know, but um, but for the power rankings that come out, and you see the Lions are ranked like fourth in the NFC ahead of what four or five other teams that are in the playoffs is just was just a real swift kick in the nuts. Um, but nonetheless, it's all good. Um, we will talk about that further down the road. We do have a couple more things to get to before that. Number one, some people may not remember this, but I don't forget at the beginning of the Motown rundown football season, I had everyone on this, on this team put in a futures bet. I believe I had Michigan state over seven and a half wins dead, nut loser, Ryan Collins had the, the for the forever asterisk of, well, I have Ole Miss over no, eight. That's but not I'm what I said. That's not what I said. I still had Ole Miss's under, but I accidentally placed it in as an over. And it did hit eight, right? So it's it no was, harm, it no foul. Anyway, so it pushed. And Trent Bally, notable bad gambler, notable <laughs> Lions homer. Hey, come on, come on, come on. At the beginning of the season, gives me the Georgia. Dogs is the 2023, which doesn't make any sense that it's 2023, but the 2023 national champions in college football. Trent, how do you feel? Congratulations. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't going to bring it up. I also probably wouldn't have made that pick if I would have known that. No, I, I guess I just didn't realize that no one had repeated in the CFP era. I just didn't. None of that computed. I didn't um, realize that either. And that's the that kind of shit sense. that I. Well, that's the kind of stuff I stay away from when I when I gamble, which is probably why I'm terrible because I just pay too much attention to the outside noise. Um, so, admittedly, I wouldn't have made that pick. That wasn't a very that was that was a very surface level pick for me, but it worked out. Worked out all these months later. I mean, one of the all time bad games I've ever seen. I've seen high school football games more competitive. Um, just a, it just sucks, you know. Just and, and and I don't need to hear all the like. Well, if Michigan was in that game. You know, if my aunt had a hammer, she'd be my uncle, but she doesn't. So all that, you can miss me with all that. Um, but one of the things that bothered me about this game is like all the, like between Stetson Bennett and the one guy that didn't play and like just, oh, they doubted us all year. People had us at seven and five. Like what, what newspapers yeah. are these guys reading? Like they That's were the clear cut favorite from, training camp when these guys were first writing their names and numbers on their Gatorade bottles before they were number one all year, all year, number one, literally. Number one, I mean, like, what? are you kidding me? Yeah, that's just Kirby smart doing Kirby smart things. 
I guess. Hard convincing that. Did you hear his? Did you hear his pregame speech on Twitter? Did you see that? I don't know why that was like making noise either. I think it's a pretty reasonable pregame speech. No, I thought so too. Also, I don't know how that kind of. What did he say? I didn't hear that. Well, it's just you know, rah, just rah. your rah rah. Like just go, just destroy them. Like just go. Be, don't be satisfied. I don't know. It's just another speech. Yeah, I didn't think it was anything special either, but whatever. They, hey, he convinced them that they were the underdogs and whatever, and it worked because they all, they, they, I, I'm with you, Rams. It was kind of annoying because they literally all said that after the game. I mean, like, no yeah, one thought who, we'd I, be here. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, like, it's a shame that they were that unconfident in themselves. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Um, but a great win for you, Trent. I don't know if we, I mean, I don't know what, what to do with that. That's just out, out there, just so people know. What was people it, like, can, plus 800? Trent wrote back. Or or their hater. What what is the thing Geno Smith said? Said they wrote me off and I didn't write back. Yeah, Trent so did awesome. not. Trent did not write back. Or you so did I know. Write back. I love Geno Smith. He is so funny. He's a pretty likable guy, I suppose. Uh, not West Virginia nobody. legend, all time like middle school college football guy for me. Seriously, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, guys, I guess that's our uh, that's our national football talk for the uh, for the episode. Um, before we do. Lions, which it's going to be Lions heavy. We're going to talk about the Green Bay game. It sounds like just from the uh, from the locker room meetings we had before this, we'll do like a, a more grandiose deep dive. Trent will give you the stats, the numbers, the uh, projections, the advanced analytics. We'll get off-season that out to moves. you next. The offseason moves. We'll get we'll get that to you next week. But today's just the Green Bay game. Before we get into that, though, um, there is some Tigers news. Believe it or not. Uh, as, as things start to, I don't know, we get a couple couple days closer to spring training. Um, I guess we can start with some quick thoughts on the renovations to Comerica Park. I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to try my best. The center field wall, which is labeled as 420 feet to dead center, it's actually 422 feet to dead center, is being moved into 412 feet. Um, the right center field wall where you got the scoreboard and it kind of, it, 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 you know, it, it's, how do I describe it? It juts up. It's like a little mini green monster type of deal. I believe that's being taken from 13 feet high down to seven and a half feet high. And the right field wall entirely is going from like, I don't know, eight and a half eight, to seven, I think eight and a half to seven or seven and a half. So some, some minor tweaks. That I there was some guy put a clip out that there were eleven, I don't know if it was eleven total or eleven Tigers hits from last year that would have been home runs if the wall was moved in. Now, Uncle Steve would tell you he thinks it's embarrassing. They're changing the game. He's so resistant to change, it's unbelievable. I do think that one of the great features of Comerica Park is how deep it is, and it and it is how hard oh or how hard it is for hitters to. <laughs> go deep into center field in the park, but I don't have any problem. I don't really don't have any problem with anything. I, I, I with they just did some renovations too, where they're putting in LED lights instead of the lights that they were using um, previously. So I don't care. I, like for this to be like big news. I mean, I don't. I don't know why the right center field, why the right field wall needs to be shorter. I guess to to make it make sense with the way that it fits. Coming from right center, I suppose you can sell me that. I don't think there's any issue with that. I actually love that's my favorite part of the park is that right center field corner where like your your balls hit off the wall. It could be a double, triple, whatever. 
So I don't know. Do we feel a certain way? Collins is pissed. I was just laughing that well, they built the stadium mid steroid era. That like in all these stadiums that were built in that era are too big, basically. So it may and you look at the numbers, it made sense to move in the wall just a little bit. I don't think it's like a huge deal, like everyone's making out. I do like that they kept it. It's still a pitcher's park. It still is. Oh, for sure. Still has huge gaps. It still has, I mean, it's still like it is what they didn't completely change the character of it. I I just think there was a couple times last year where it's like because with the new baseballs and whatever's going on there, there was a couple times where they had like exit velocities of like 115 in their outs. Like you can't like I, I think they're just trying to, I don't know, maybe produce some runs or do do some renovations. I mean, for the love of God, the regular, the original construction of Comerica Park is maybe one of the funniest things of all time. It's like 380 to left. Like what I, whatever the fuck they were doing was like just hilarious where the bullpens are now, but it's not the end of the world. I do think they needed to do it. I, I mean, sure. it's, I honestly, and the thing about it, I'm very curious. I just want to see how it looks because I think Comerica is a very pretty looking park to see on TV and in person. And it has good sight lines. I wonder if it affects any of that or they didn't add any seats maybe. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's the only thing I was curious about. I don't think it's going to affect any gameplay. You're going to see like five or six more home runs go out a year than you're usually, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, like how many like shots are hit up on that wall? It's either a home run or it's like at the base of the wall. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. saying, like, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. Uh, Trent, do you feel any type of way? Definitely think overall it's probably a good thing. I don't know. Like you said, Rabs, there are at least 11-ish. I saw 11, but, you know, who really has the time to go back and watch 162 some, games? Some suck? guy did. Some guy did. <laughs> Uh, Riley so Green, I saw, had a few that he hit to the track that would have been out, you know. I, we've known this our whole lives. It's like, this is such a blowhard thing to say, but you, you you wonder how many more home runs Miguel Cabrera could have had. Probably and like 50 or 60. I mean, I think he'd be close to Pujols. I think he But I, I, I don't know. I, it, when you look at, like, what baseball's doing and where it's going, it's just, like, the new balls and the banning of the shift. It's just this, the writing was on the wall. And this isn't like a – it's not a huge change either. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I am interested if they're going to put like two rows of seats in there or what. But The thing that sucks about the Tigers is – and we haven't really talked about the Tigers for a while. The fact that they've literally done nothing this offseason and have been maybe the most uninterested team in Major League Baseball is that I actually think the rule changes are going to help baseball this year and it's going to be more watchable product. And the fact, and, and I'm going to watch until the Tigers like are like 0-90. I'm probably going to watch the first two months of the year regardless of what the record is. But like I, the Trent mentioned that I, there's things like I think baseball is actually making good changes like for the play at least. I don't know the regular season and it sucks that the Tigers are just straight up. We haven't talked about them forever because there's nothing to talk about. I know they made a trade this week, but like just such an uninteresting team right now. Yeah, I the the lack of free agency news has been disappointing. I don't. I mean, it doesn't really seem like many teams have done a ton. The Carlos Correa thing is that's so hard for me to wrap my head around and follow. I don't even care. 
Um, but Trent, I mean, there was a trade to announce. Do you have it in front of you? Because I don't even fucking remember what it was. But besides the, Greg Soto, well, the, the just Greg Soto and Cody Clemens got traded to the ah, Phillies yes. organization. Rabs, are you in tears that Cody Clemens is not in the organization? I'll get to anymore? it. I'll get to it. <laughs> oh my god! If you, you basically... make a claim that they wasted Cody Clemens. I won't. I just. I'll need to get off the podcast. Trent, I, I, I do not know how to pronounce any of the names that came back. You got three prospect players back. One is a catcher, and the other two are infield, outfield guys, basically utility guys who haven't really carved out a niche in the league yet. So I don't really think this moves the needle for me a ton. It more so just and Rabs. I'll turn it over to you here. I think. I think personally, I think the bigger loss is Greg Soto. I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't, I don't know. Like no, it, it obviously is because Cody Clemens isn't a major league baseball player. Okay, okay. Well, I, I think the bigger I, – I just – Greg Soto obviously was your closer for the last, what, two years, three years? He, he made the all-star team, although there's that stupid that caveat count. of everyone. He shouldn't have made the all-star team last year, by the way. Oh, Correct. I, and that's fine. That I just, I just want to mention it so that all the – No, 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 no. I so know. That, all the Yahoo's who go look at his Wikipedia page or his baseball reference don't think I'm an idiot for saying this was a good move. I like, I always like Greg Soto. You guys know that. I was like, I would even go as far as to say I was a, I was an apologist of Greg Soto's at times. But I, again, I just, I think this is more just a move that opens up the doors for a couple other young arms, like a, I, I don't know, like a Tyler Alexander or someone like that, or uh, Jose Cisnero, or God, Joe Jimenez. Do we still have Joe Jimenez? Is he no. on his, Okay, never mind. Scratch that. I got to stop talking. I just think. You don't? Where'd he go? It opens things up. I think we okay. traded him too. Oh, that's right. No, I, yeah, I remember that happening. It, it just wasn't going to be Greg Soto. I've got a stat somewhere. I lost it. I don't know. It's like he, he, he led the team in saves, obviously, last year, saved more than he didn't, of course. But then he's also like the sixth pitcher in MLB history to like blow a certain amount, X amount and X amount of games, whatever. It's just, he, he definitely wasn't great through gas, really hard to locate home plate at times, but whatever Rabs, I'll let you get to the Cody Clemens stuff. Yeah. I mean, as far as, as far I, I was, I mean, we were talking about this last year, as far as like, when's the right time to trade Greg Soto. And it's hard to, it's hard to look at this in the scope of like the Scott Harris era, because he wasn't around at the trade deadline last year the tigers decided to keep Vila through the trade deadline before cleaning house or whatever which was ridiculous but beside the point so you know to me walks kill and i know that greg soto throws gas but i got news for you most of the relievers in the league throw gas so the fact that he throws 100 miles per hour it's not like when joel zamaya was like oh my god i've never seen a guy throw this hard in my life but really struggled to find consistency with that secondary pitch being the slider. And again, walks kill. And there's whatever the statistics were of like, you know, he walks more batters per nine than, you know, at most of the closers or any of the closers in the league, yada, yada, yada. The bottom line for me is this. I don't, you have, you have to have a better option as a closer than Greg Soto. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a, he's a bad baseball player. He's a bad pitcher. I think the Phillies are going to be happy with what he brings to the table. I don't know if he's supposed to go over there and be their closer, but to 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 get, I have no patience for arguing with anyone about like, oh, they should have kept Greg Soto. He was an all. I don't have any. I mean, I've watched plenty of games where he makes you sweat, and sure you get out of it, but the lack of consistency for, with his arm, I don't really have the patience for it. 
and I'm going to preface all this by saying I, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a guy that's that tapped in to the Phillies farm system and baseball prospects and who played where and who grades out to be whatever. This is the baseball for me more so than any sport is about trusting the guys, the many, many, many people that work in baseball operations that get paid to scout and run analytics and your new general manager, president of baseball operations, whatever you want to call Scott Harris. That's where you put the trust in these guys of, okay, the return you're getting was clearly enough for the guys you're giving away. Now on to Cody Clemens. It was frustrating for me last year for a team that wasn't good to, and, and Cody Clemens played more than enough. I, like he, he's, that's not so much my gripe. I was, I was always disappointed that, you know, one day he's playing left, then he's playing first, then second, then th- that stuff irritated me all the time. And I'm very curious to see in the Scott Harris era what these lineups look like on a day to day basis. And I, and, and we're going to find out really quick if this is like an AJ Hinch thing or was this an Alavila thing that every single player on the team had to play every single position except pitcher. So actually, Cody Clemens pitched in some games last year too. So, um, but you know, you guys like to give me shit about how I view these young guys. Of all my point was with all of this was just if you're gonna have guys that you bring up in the system that you're gonna try to develop, like let them play, put them in a position to be successful. I don't think you know Cody Clemens playing a different position every day was that necessarily the best for his development. Probably not. But the bottom line is this. Didn't really show you anything at the plate. And I am beyond, beyond, I'm too old at this point in my life to be watching guys who go up and, and strike out, strike out, strike out. Ball doesn't leave the infield. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so done with it. There's a, there's too many guys that can hit the baseball that are out there. And I'm hoping that these two infield outfielder utility guys that Scott Harris brings over from, from Philadelphia, you'd like to think that it, who knows what their role is going to be on this team but at least give me some bats. And that's what this team has been missing for years now. So not going to miss Cody Clemens. I mean, it is a shame that again, another guy that always oh, got the MLB pedigree, whatever he's been in your system for however long he gets his chance. He wasn't good. And that's, you know, that's it. But at this point in my life with the Detroit Tigers, after what I went through with Al Avila and his mismanagement of this team, Scott Harris can do whatever he wants to this baseball team if it's going to give me wins and playoff appearances and World Series championships. So if he doesn't think that there's anything left in Cody Clemens' game that can add any, anything of value to this team, fine. And I think him and I were on the same page with Greg Soto of you can't – not a guy that you can trust in the ninth inning. Sorry. I know he had some fine outings. He throws hard. Great. Don't care. Thank you for your service. Every time he held the ball, someone's life was in danger. That's the type <laughs> of command that he had. Hit a lot of batters, walked a lot of batters. It just wasn't good enough, Gregory. He was he he was fine. He was a decent. He was if you look at the numbers, he's the best reliever the Tigers have had the last two years. He really has been. But the unease and the command issues, whatever. I think it was time to move on. And especially, I don't know what the Tigers' direction is. That's like, are they just? kind of running it back which i don't hate but for harrison to do yeah, i think so for the most part yes i think so i think they might sign another arm they're gonna have to at some point well they got lorenzen they have boyd so it's i was looking at the projected five spot it's basically like 
Matt Manning, Erod, Boyd, Lorenzen, and then Wentz. And then I'm assuming that Fiedo and Turnbull and all the other guys will get looks. The one that I, I I do see happening this year, and I hope that they do this, um, is with a lot of these young arms moving a couple to the bullpen, especially the guys who have not been able to stay healthy, like a Joey Wentz. Like, I, I know people have hopes for him to be a starter. Maybe he is. I, like, he can't stay healthy, though. Maybe going to the pen would be good for him. So I, I'm curious to see that. We don't have the deep dive into Tigers. We just talked about this deal. I guess, though, the two guys that they got, from everyone who I trust and knows a lot about baseball, like they have some potential. It's not like a nothing, nothing trade. Um, and in an organization that does not have enough bats in their in their farm system, it's nice to load up a little bit. So that's the one positive you can take from this trade. I'm not going to tell you they're going to be good or something, but what I saw is that they're not nothing prospects. They're guys that who could potentially play in the major league baseball. So. All right, not nothing is good. I'll take that. Um, okay, there's your Tigers talk for the next couple of months unless something else happens. Um, now time for the big news. This is why we're here. Um, you know, the buzz on Monday was obviously it was electric after the game Sunday night, and Monday was awesome and whatnot. Um, but to, to end the season in a season that was – I mean, geez, the, to start one and six, and then you you run the table as best you can in the second half of the season. Um, but the Lions go into Lambeau Field with the Packers' playoff dreams on the line against Aaron Rodgers, and they beat the boogeyman. They looked up. They 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 peeked under the bed. They opened the closet and they welcomed the monster out, and they looked him in the eye and said, "You're done. This is it." No more. And I po I was I was drooling all day long. I had that I don't know if you guys saw my tweets. I had that Kevin McAllister clip ready to go hours before the game of when he comes outside his house and he's like, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. You're talking to the robbers. Um, and that's how it feels. Lions 20, Packers 16. And I mean, just there's so many different ways we can attack the game, but I guess I'll take the emotional side first. It obviously sucked to have things lined up the way they did as far as knowing before that game starts where you're going to be at. And I was locked into the Seattle game and it was a it was a it was a good game to watch because I mean there wasn't a lot of scoring, it was back and forth. Um you know, both teams took took turns I guess playing mediocre football until it gets to the end. Um, we can talk about the refs all day long. And of course there were some things in there that it's like, you know, I saw people joking on Twitter and I said the same thing to a lot of my friends. Like even when the lions aren't playing in games, they're still finding ways to get screwed by the officiating. Um, so we can talk about all that all day long, but the bottom line is for me, the lions did their job and, and, and that's more important to me than, you know, whatever else. Like, of course I want to see them in the playoffs. Of course. But they did their job. And going back to the Seattle game for a second, um, I did. I have officially dedicated my Twitter account to to doing nothing but being mean to Baker Mayfield for the rest of my life. I mean, I it was kind of serendipitous. We probably see Aaron Rodgers' last game in the NFL hours before we see Baker Mayfield's last game in the NFL. So a really emotional day for many people in that regard. 
Um, but in one of the all-time just poor choke job, bad interception in overtime, useless, coward, gutless quarterbacks to ever exist, one of the most disappointing first-round picks or first-overall picks ever with just a talentless, cocky, arrogant, nothing-no-good-has-been quarterback in Baker Mayfield to 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 – to spoil the Rams of, of, of their season, it was really devastating. So I feel bad um, for people that have to deal with that and, and watch him play. But, but, the, but Baker Mayfield's NFL career is, is all but over. So um, I guess we won't have to deal with that anymore. But of course it was tough. I was, I was going through all the emotions in that game. And I don't believe that I, for some reason, I don't, did you guys, did I send you guys the Snapchat of me watching those last two kicks? I don't think oh. I did. I, I think I saved both of them, but I was I filmed myself during the first kick before the end of regulation and absolutely elated to see that, okay, we have a chance here because I thought the game was over. There. I mean, everyone thought the game was over there. And then for all that happened to happen in overtime and, you know, of course, the interception, they come all the way down and score with ease and, um, you know, get the, get the field goal. It sucked. It was terrible. Um, and it was a really sinking feeling because all I was asking for on this podcast last week was – please get me to 8.20 p.m. And, and let the game mean something. And it did mean something for one team, not the Lions. But nonetheless, they go into Lambeau Field, which whatever the stat was of their, you know, they've won three out of their last 30, whatever it was. I, That's, what I don't it was. Even, That's exactly what it was. They were three, three out of their last 30 at, La- at Lambeau Field. And in and, and the stack, the, the deck just stacked against them. And – I'll tell you, I'm proud of myself because all day I never wavered from like, this is the game the Lions are going to go in and win. And it was so, so easy to look at that with like, you're going into Lambeau it, on Sunday night. It's cold. You're against Aaron Rodgers. They have a chance to make the playoffs. The Packers had a, had a very nice second half, just like the Lions did. You know, this is a game the Lions can't win. They don't have it in them. They're not playing for anything but their pride. It's not going to be enough. And it wasn't the perfect game, but it was just enough to get the job done. And I want to go back to something that I said last week about what I thought the difference was going to be in this game. And to me, it came down to heart, and it came down to the way the Lions have carried themselves in the Dan Campbell regime. And it was all summed up beautifully by the little bullshit that the Packers did did that that not maybe not cost them the game but those little mistakes and those little moments of losing their mind and not being together as a team and being selfish of you know rasul douglas having a brain fart or smoking meth in the in the tent before coming on the field and walking over to pick the ball up the one guy who shoved the athletic trainer like all those things that the packers did wrong and the lions just played their game and they stuck together and they played hard and got the job done. And I'm I'm telling you, as someone that uh, that is a coach now for a high school hockey team and, I, and as a kid growing up playing sports, I was never the best. I was never the biggest, the fastest, but I always thought that I carried myself with with pride and I was a good teammate, heart, hustle, effort, attitude. That's the kind of stuff that takes you far. 
And that's, to me, the biggest takeaway from this Lions team in this Lions season. That's what it did have to do with anything. Well, I'm just I'm just saying that's the stuff that matters. And the Lions have that, and they put that on display on Sunday night. The Packers crumbled. They lost their mind. They got guys assaulting the training staff. And That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Smoking crystal meth. It was insane what was going on. I've never seen anything like it. But it was amazing, and, and and I I don't think that you can appreciate what that Lions win meant unless you are like us and have been through all the shit with the Lions. Like on the outside looking in, the average fans probably like, well, you 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 won a game on Sunday night, your season's over. Who cares? But but I think we can agree on this podcast and the Lions fan base as a whole that this win did a lot for for a lot of people because first and foremost this is a game the lions never win they never go to lambeau and win they rarely beat aaron rodgers if ever and they did that and you know to to have it happen on sunday night on the road with the playoff implications granted you were already out but it's not a game they win and i we had talked about this for the weeks leading up to this moment of like we knew it was coming and, you know, we, Trent and I were on different sides of the Packers-Vikings game, but it's not going to matter uh, on Sunday night, the last game of the year. But it ended up mattering, and I think in the back of our minds, we knew this was going to come down to the wire, and it's exactly the storybook ending that you drew up. And I, I just couldn't be more satisfied with this season because we had said that you are going to find out what this whole season was about in this game. Was it a was it a fluke? Did they have you know? Did they string together some good wins? But yeah, you know they're still the Lions. They still can't beat Green Bay. They can't beat Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to go into Lambeau and win. Or do they completely change the narrative? And do they go in there and get the job done? Which they did. And to see all the tweets, and I tweeted myself, "R.I.P. S.O.L." Because this to me has taken you over the edge. You've beat Aaron Rodgers. You had one divisional loss all year long in a game that you had won and should have won. You beat Aaron Rodgers twice, and and you finished the season 9-8 and eight after the season was lost after starting 1-6. and six. Like uh, There were so many people that had thrown the towel in, and the team continued to show up and play good football, and they took care of the ball, and the offense clicked, and the defense came around, and they started to play hard, and some of these draft picks looked like studs, and it all started to come together. So, you know, for me, and we'll do the season recap next week, but, and I tweeted this for the first time in my life, which is maybe a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I am incredibly proud to be a Lions fan, because if you're a, if you're a Fairweather fan or you're a, a, a fan of another team around the league, the Lions have put everyone on notice. And I know they're not the best team. I, I understand that. You know, nine and eight is nine and eight. But for them to do what they did after starting one and six, you have to tip your cap and show some respect. And this team has all the momentum in the world going into the offseason. They've got the number six pick, right? Five, six, whatever. And they have the number 18 pick. And they're going to get two, maybe, I don't know, who knows what they're going to do. Two, one, if they move up. Really, really good players that are going to help this team next year. They're probably going to spend some dough in free agency. And I really think that this team under Dan Campbell is as rocky as it was at time. And you have you even have guys like me, like, is this guy really cut out to be a head coach? 
it's this is the culture that's been built. I think I think people want to play here and be a part of this now. So that win has propelled this team forward monumentally, and I could not be excited more excited for next season. So there's my soapbox rant. I want your guys' thoughts on the game, how you feel about it. I mean, I'm sure I know you guys are fired up, but it's been great. Well, I just think when I said this last week, you have the opportunity to shift the culture. They shifted the culture. This Going forward, this is a franchise I think players are going to want to come play for with the front office and the head coach they have at the helm. Then it's going to be very easy to re-sign guys. You already saw Skipper come out basically – not Skipper. Um, Kaminsky come out basically said, please re-sign me. Like – I, I, they have built a culture, and now it's time. The next like thing is to get like level up with the talent, because as good as Campbell did, Ben Johnson did, and I think Aaron Blunt had his ups and downs, but I, I, overall, I think he's solid as a DC. Um, and when you level up and get the higher class player, are you able to keep that culture? Like, you know what I mean? When I think about stuff like that, it's like. Michigan State from 2013 to 2015 recruited a certain type of player, and they were the best team in the Big Ten for three straight years. And then they tried to level up after they went to the playoff and recruit different type of players, and it didn't work out. And I, I know it's a completely different thing, but the number one, no, but the number one thing about this Lions team is the culture has shifted, and now it's important who you bring in. And I think they are diligent with that. I think Brad Holmes, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think currently he has done the best job in Detroit out of all the GMs. And everyone wants to be like Steve Eisman. Yeah, he did all that sweet stuff in Tampa. He still hasn't really – Eisman has yet to really go for it yet. I think can't. I, I think Holmes has made a couple moves like trading up to get Jamison Williams and making the Stafford trade is going for it. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they have – He's fucking put his balls on the line, like stuff that could get you fired if it gets disastrous. I don't think any of the uh, Weaver, Iserman, and Harris, obviously, who just started, have, none of them have done that just yet. And Holmes, and right now he looks great. And I think the biggest takeaway is Jared Goff was really good this year, really good. And, and do I think he is the quarterback of the future? No, I wouldn't commit to him more than next year. But he deserves to be the starter next year. They shouldn't draft a quarterback probably in the first two rounds. Um, they need to give him a backup. I think get him a younger guy who can actually play and is like tangible. But I think the biggest storyline out of this is Campbell's shifted culture. He has good coaches around him, which is a, a mark of a good coach. That is the mark of a good coach, able to hire good people. Because guess what? The head coach doesn't do – I mean, they do a lot. They're, they're the motivator. They're the game manager. When it comes to schemes and plays, that play design on that Khalif Raymond 50-yard touchdown, not touchdown, at the one-yard line, it's a fantastic play design. I don't know how you're a safety and you cover that. With golf rolling out to his left and Khalif Raymond doing a little skinny post on the other side, golf makes a great throw. I never saw them even think about running that play all year. And to bring that out against Green Bay, to have the balls to do the hook and ladder play, just shows – what this coaching staff stood for. And golf is great, but the reason why he's great is this is the best offensive line the Lions have ever had. This is a generational offensive line. And I think that this is going to be my point 
as we go into next year, and, and I think this is the main consensus out of Detroit fans, the time is now. Their window is now. People are like, oh, they got a lot of young players and stuff like that. I don't see a scenario they're ever going to have an offensive line like this for the next three, four years. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, well, that's the beautiful thing about the NFL, too, is that the parity is insane. Like the fact and, – and you're right. They they can now roll into the next season and, like, make moves to win now. That's what it is, yeah. I, I'm just saying their window is now because this – like, you've already locked up all these guys – and you're going to have to pay Sewell eventually and whatever, but, like, your offensive line's locked up. Your gun weapons are locked up for another year. You don't really have to spend a ton of money on golf for right now. Like, he's making middle QB money. The time is now. It really is for this franchise. And people are like, oh, well, they don't have pieces on the defense. Address it this offseason. It's not inconceivable. They have a great foundation on that defense. Hutchinson was great this year. James Houston's been a great surprise. I like what I've seen out of Kirby Joseph. Okuda kind of regressed at the end of the year. I still have confidence in him to be a solid cornerback. I don't hate Jerry Jacobs. Um, Anzalone had a decent year. Like, they have decent foundation, but obviously it wasn't a good defense this year. Go out and address it. This is this team's window the next two to three years. And people are like, Ryan, I, I think you got to wait a little bit more. They got to win. They haven't won a division. I'm telling you, this offensive line needs to be capitalized because guess what? You're going to have to pay Hutchinson in a couple of years. You're going to have to pay Sewell in a couple of years. You're going to have to pay Amon St. Brown. Like, they have a lot of young guys who are the talent of this team. And when you look at teams like Seattle with Russ and all that, you got to make decisions in the NFL. You, you really do when you have this talent base. I just think people need to look forward the next two years at least is an opportunity for this team. I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm not gonna say the SB word because I, I'm just saying if they want to win this division and level up, and, and, and they can start getting more creative and, and be a contender in the NFC. I think it's the next three years. I really do, because you have these young, controllable guys under contract, and you've locked down this offensive line. And there's a couple moves they need to make in this offseason, obviously on the defensive side of the ball. But like, there's guys like Bugs who I like. There's guys like Kamitsi oh, yeah. had a great year when he was in the lineup. Um, and I, 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 Malcolm Rodriguez had a nice rookie year for a six-round pick. He's not like the future there, but he had a nice year. So uh, my biggest takeaway after what I saw on Sunday night, because that changes the culture. It does. It doesn't just make you one of those Stafford teams that went like 8-8 eight and eight and won a bunch of bullshit games. You know what I mean? Like they just beat a bunch of bad teams at the end of the year, and then everyone's like, oh, look out for the science team. No, you knocked out the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night and maybe Aaron Rodgers' last game at Lambeau Field, and you kicked the shit out of them. Like In that second half, they were the tougher team, and they had nothing to play for. So the culture has shifted in the fact that this team is looking to reach higher, and I just think people need to realize the next couple of years, I, I, they can do that, and they, this is the time to pounce. I would, If I'm Brad Holmes, I would not, not be overly aggressive and stuff like that, but I would be aggressive this offseason. And you got two first-round picks. So this is a key, key offseason to see what this Lions team does because the culture's there. Now it's just about putting the fits, finishing the puzzle. 
Yeah, I think those are all great points. Like, I I don't know. I mean, this is this has to be the most optimistic that all three of us have been about this team. And I've been, hey, I've, I've been, I've been. You're a hater if you're not optimistic. You're not exactly. watching. You're not and, watching. And the thing is, like, when you just look at it, Dan Campbell gets hired. Okay, made made waves in his opening press conference. A lot of people doubted him, but uh, for the most part, everyone was like, okay, let's see what he's got. Didn't get off to a great start last year, and then you finished last year strong, right? Three, three, and one at the very end with the with Ben Johnson calling plays, and then the expectations rose. And then the Lions come out this season; they start one and six, and everyone's you know we're we're firing Aubrey Pleasant, we're trading T.J. Hoggins, and everyone thinks they're selling. And all of a sudden, this is what I think is the most poetic thing about this whole thing, guys: is this win, this little run the Lions went on. Their second win of the season came against Rodgers. And their ninth win of the season came against Rodgers. So this whole thing, with the with the exception of that Commanders win in Week Two, was bookended by beating the Boogeyman. And that's what I just I, I think to Rab's point. I just think I'm not afraid anymore of that guy. Come on back. He can come on back. He can bring whoever he wants. You put this is a point of demarcation for this team and looking at this division. And like you said, Collins, it's like the the, the time is now. It just is. So. You guys handled all that. I want to just talk about a quick, a couple quick things from the actual game itself. Um, I mean, of course, it lost a little bit of juice when the Rams did their thing. Baker Mayfield threw the ball to Quandre Diggs, whatever. But for for Dan Campbell to basically, for your coach to say on the sideline in the in the you know pregame interview, we don't want them to go. I thought that was the most badass thing ever. Like, I I understand there's a level of gamesmanship and sportsmanship. Usually, coaches don't say stuff like that. Like. We don't want them to make the playoffs. And and I, you could just see that, that that was enough for this team. All the reports were they weren't really down in the dumps after finding out the result of that Seahawks-Rams win. They were still gassed. They still felt like they had a lot to play for, and that speaks to to Colin's point. That just speaks to the culture, and it has shifted. So that I thought that was great. And you also – one little piece of the puzzle there is you're also still playing for a winning record. That's huge. I'm not saying the difference between 8-9 and, and 9-8 and eight is huge because – as you see right now, there's an eight and nine team that won the division this year, and Tom Brady. There's a nine and eight team with Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars that won the division. So that the difference between eight and nine wins is not like monumental, but being able to say that this team had a winning record, we get to say that all off season. We get to say the Lions were yes, Rabs are the fourth best team in the NFC right now. If you were to do another power rankings and roll into next week or oh, if a week nineteen, if there was such a thing, so that to me was huge. You got to end Rodgers. You got to play for, you know, take them out, not let them go, and you got to play for a winning record. Now, as far as the actual game went, Kirby Joseph was brilliant. I think he tied Brian Erlacher, it is, for three interceptions against Aaron Rodgers in his career, and he's played two games against Aaron Rodgers. So that's pretty impressive there. Aiden Hutchinson was amazing. I don't know what's going to happen with defensive rookie of the year. I think Sauce Gardner still going to win it because he's probably a top five corner already in the league. But Aiden Hutchinson certainly made plays when it mattered. He certainly has the numbers to win the award any other year almost. So respect to him. That was absolutely the right pick. I have to imagine the Jaguars are, are a little weary on that whole situation. They, I think they just overthought it and whatever. Um, and the other thing the other thing I wanted to mention, just, just for shits and giggles, Jamal Williams passing Barry Sanders for uh, franchise rushing touchdowns in a season. That's awesome. And that's a guy who, who of course, is an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever the hell he wants. And he's got that, you know, 17 rushing touchdowns to, to, to show people and to put on the laminated resume sheet. And someone's going to pay him. And I just hope that the Lions – this is a guy I'm even okay overpaying for a little bit because he's your leader on both sides of the ball. He's your leader in the clubhouse. 
And like, what do you say? What what do you say if you don't resign a guy like that? Like, what what are the what what kind of message does that send? You know, he is your culture. Jamal Williams is so I'm I'm even okay with in five years we look back ah oh, we overpaid for Jamal Williams. That's all right because you know what? Like this guy, he, by the way, he stays healthy too. Unlike DeAndre Swift, and he, he's a, he's a very effective runner of the football. But more than that, he just embodies that culture that you're trying to build right now. And lastly, this is this is just a small thing, but. Collins, you mentioned it. Isaiah Boggs made plays. Jerry Jacobs, these little guys. I mean, like Malcolm Rodriguez, these these names this year that just came in and showed flashes and were bad at times, good at times, whatever. Those are the guys a lot of the time that are making plays for you in, in, in key situations. And I just think it all comes back into this big, like, full circle deal about how this culture and every single guy is playing hard and every single guy is making plays. And that's just – we've never been able to say that about – Forget, you know, forget the Lions. We've never been able to say that about a Detroit sports team since probably Rabs Wings in 08, 09. I don't know. I, it's been a long time since the Detroit team has had the identity of, like, we don't really care. We'll play you anywhere. We'll kick your ass. And, and, and the Tigers. I, yeah, well, sure. But I guess even even then, the Tigers pitching staff was – the, the the bullpen was terrible. And then you get into trouble there, and it's like – Yeah, but they were – like, they the had Lions that Brandon Scherzer thing where it's like the, they had the fuck you to them. And this yeah, sure. team has I, that fuck you to him. I guess I'm just coming at it more from the standpoint of you can walk into every game confident because you know you don't really have a huge hole. And I'm, I know the defense wasn't great, but at least they have players that make plays when it matters, and you saw that. So that is all. I was I was ecstatic. I, I loved watching all that. I'm a big national media guy. I know you guys don't love all that stuff, but I watch The Herd and I watch, you know, First Things First, and I, I don't watch First Take. I can't stand that show. But I watch all the national stuff, and it was just great. Although a lot of it was just about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Rex Ryan gave a ton of love to the Lions. The Lions are getting a lot of love. And I think, I mean, we'll see what the Vikings do here in the playoffs, but there's a legitimate chance, a chance that the Lions are favored to win the division next year. Like, seriously, there's a chance. So that's that's all I got. I actually would not be surprised if they were the betting favorite to open up the season. I, don't, I, I Again, I don't know what the Vikings will look and like even next if they're, year. Even but... if they're not, even if they're not, and they're they're the second because they won't be lower than second, they'll they'll probably get them get more money put on them than whoever's in first. I mean, whether it's the Vikings or the, say the Packers make some unreal deal or something. I don't know. I just the Lions are the sexy team, and everyone's going to be on them going into next year. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't want to. I do want to make sure that we save enough for for next week when we do the Lions season recap. But yeah, looking ahead, I mean. I just the Bears are way further down the well than you are. The Packers, who knows? I mean, I, I the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. They off. They just got to rip the bandaid off and start fresh. The the whole Aaron Rodgers thing at the end of the game. I'll, I'll tell you, like I I respect Aaron Rodgers because because of how good he is and how talented he is. But 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 really enough is enough. I mean, just the like the everything from the post game interviews of how he's just so quiet and cryptic and whatever, and then like him and Randall Cobb walking off arm in arm, like give me a fucking break, dude. Honest to God, like oh like the, the whoever asked for his jersey, I'm gonna be keeping this one. Like okay, fine. Like that if this is really your last game, and it better be your fucking last game for you and Randall Cobb to walk off like. He's not, it's not gonna be. They owe him like 60 mil. Like they owe him so much money. Oh, well, I, I don't I think I don't, he'll force his way out though. He doesn't want to be there. I don't buy at all that Aaron Rodgers is done playing football 
Trent, maybe you're right that in whatever way they have to make it work to get him out of Green Bay, because I don't even think he wanted to be here to start the season. I, but I'm just so I'm so sick of the drama. If you're a, if you're a Packers fan, like you said, Trent, at a certain point, just rip the bandaid off. He doesn't want to be here. That that whole organization has completely wasted Aaron Rodgers. They only have one Super Bowl to show for Aaron Rodgers. Hall of Fame career is embarrassing. And granted, yes, the Packers have been much more successful than the Lions have. Of course. Who are we kidding? But still, just the whole theatrics of that whole fucking team and even Matt LaFleur, it just just so sick of it. So they can do whatever they want. They can bring Nathaniel Hackett back to be the OC, who had one of the worst head coaching debuts of, of all time uh, in his first season that he couldn't even finish, for God's sake. Um, they can do whatever they want. I don't buy that Aaron Rodgers is done. As much as he, you know, tries to stay out of the limelight, I think he loves it. And just the, the whole Randall Cobb, like just some said, fuck off. They sucked. They sucked this year. They did. I know the whole the whole them beating the shit out of the Vikings. Great. The Vikings suck too. The division is, is this is the Lions division. Vikings now. don't suck. Well, they do, but. They, I mean, no, they don't because they they're the three seed. Well, I mean, they, if you want, they what's their? Point I've watched them. They have the best player in NFL on their team. That doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care. They got okay, beat by cool, a million. Cool. The Vikings beat them by a million. A, we okay, beat them. Reps, reps, there's a difference between being a Super Bowl contender and being good. The Vikings are good. Yeah, they're I, okay. That's that's good that's fair, Collins, because their point differential is embarrassing for a three seed. No, oh, for yeah. sure. But they're they, they are on the same. The Lions are on the same level as them now. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that's that, we're, yeah, we're that, not yeah. saying the Lions are better than them because that's incorrect. They should have beat them twice. Did um, they? Oh, they beat them once. Okay, cool. Handily. Handedly. And then they've uh, their our coach fucking choked on applesauce in Minnesota. I just I hate. I hate non-result takes. That was still SOL. That was before SOL got married. Now it's brand new lines. <laughs> um, it did. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying let's let's pump the brakes just a little bit on that. Fair. Okay. Um, I don't really know where we go from here. We'll do uh, the season recap next week. But I, I mean, a good, a very good season. I've got everyone's got juice going into the off season now, and I think that Ford Field's going to be rocking game one. Their schedule next – again, not to jump ahead, but their schedule at home is very favorable next year. The road schedule is tough. I'm really not afraid to play anyone. It's gonna, it sucks they have to play the Chiefs, fine. But this team shouldn't be scared to play anyone. But as you said, Trent, like I'd like to see them re-sign Jamal Williams. I don't I don't really know off the top of my head the other free – does Sean Elliott a free agent? Sean Elliott, DJ Chark, uh, John Kaminsky, Isaiah Bugs. There's a, there's a few guys. Yeah, I mean we can we can touch on all that next week, but I guess that's it. That's the Lions season. It was unbelievable to end the way that it did. Um, as far as the picks were concerned, if anyone still cares, um, a little bit of a, a shakeup in the leaderboard. Trent and myself, eighteen and twelve on the year. Uh, Ryan Collins, sixteen and fourteen. You hate to see it. Admittedly, well, hey, profitable year though. If anyone, if anyone picked one of us to ride with, they they made money. I mean, the Lions yeah. were pro- they were great to bet on this year. Yes. Um, the asterisk of course, being there were a couple games where we missed episodes that we did not submit picks for. Um, but nonetheless, a, a good year all around on the pick segment. Do we want to keep the mortal locks going? I mean, there's still football to be played. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Collins, the, the Michigan state, Michigan basketball over Did that end up Worst hitting? Bet ever. 
No, it did not, Rabs. It was like 12 to 12, 10 minutes into that game. Yeah, it was awful. Okay, so with that, the leaderboard now is getting probably a little like 35 tighter. points. <laughs> the leaderboard's getting a bit tighter. Trent, 7 and 10. I am 8 and 9. Collins, 11 and 6. So we got What did I have last week, Rabs? Can you help me out? What did I have? Trent, last week you had – it had to have been football, wasn't yeah, it? I, I don't even remember. It, it doesn't matter. I just was I, – I don't remember. I feel like you had someone minus like six and a half, maybe. I'll go back and listen. No one cares. We can just roll into this. I just okay. thought you had it written down. I I I, I did, but it, after I do it, I always like erase it for when I, I'm trying to think of what you had. I don't know. Oh, I took the Rams to cover. That's what it was. Did you? Yeah, plus I four took and a half. The Rams to cover four, and I think I think they did. Right, plus four and a half, and they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Okay, mortal locks this week. I just read you the leaderboard. Does anyone feel passionately about starting? You can do it. You can do whatever. I don't even care. Um, San Francisco minus nine and a half. That's a good bet. No Lamar for the Ravens. No, San Francisco plays the Seahawks. What am I saying? I thought you said Cincinnati. My bad. No, okay, so you, so you like you like the Niners huge over the Seahawks. The Seahawks aren't good. The only thing that's good about the Seahawks is Kenneth Walker and they're and DK Metcalf, and they will be able to shut both those guys down. Okay, so that's your lock. But Collins, I'm curious what you think about the over the over under at 42. Um, Seahawks defense kind of is like not that good. Um, I don't hate the over there. I really don't. Okay. The problem is, I think this team could legit get ugly. There's a reason they're playing this game at 4:30 on Saturday. All right, I think that's fair as well. I Freudian slipped on the Bengals thing because I like the Bengals minus nine and a half because there's no Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. I don't even know what the I, – I know the Ravens gave them some fits last week and kept it close. Who fucking decided to put this game on Sunday night? Yeah, I don't know. The The schedule this year is insane. But I, I will say this, though. That's not my lock. My lock, my lock is the Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers over 46. I think both those defenses are criminally overrated. I think Tom Brady and Dak Prescott are good for a pick six each. I say that very tongue-in-cheek. One of them will throw a pick six. That game's going to be hot garbage. And it's, I it's, weirdly, I, I almost took this, Trent. I almost took the Cowboys minus two and a half. The Bucs are so bad. I just I think this is going over by a million. I think it's No, like, I get that. But I yeah. the Bucs have played like one good game in like 10 weeks, and people are like, oh, Brady back. I'm like, what? Just because he hit three deep balls in Mike Evans against the Panthers doesn't mean this team's gonna beat the Cowboys. Right? They got yeah. they got issues, man. Because I don't yeah. I, I don't think he's coming back there next year either. And then they got a whole thing. Well, they won a Super Bowl. It was worth it. Yeah, for sure. But I just I, where, where do they go from here? I don't know. But that's my over over forty six uh, in that Buccaneers Cowboys game. That's my lock for the week. Okay. After all of that, I'll stay on this game. My mortal lock this week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus two and a half. I just, I, the, Tom Brady, <laughs> I just can see it. Like they're at home. And you're right, Collins. They have stunk all year. But to be a two and a half point underdog at home and you have the greatest quarterback of all time, I just didn't think, I think Tom Brady can get one done. And Dallas to me, like, it just, I don't think Dak is very good. I know that team has a lot of talent on it. The defense is great. And this could truly end up being a decimation of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you're going to give them – I mean, I'm taking them plus two and a half, which I'm sure I'll get killed on. But 
essentially being a field goal underdog at home. I just, I don't know. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And this can be like an Aaron Rodgers burial too of like, all right, let's, let's see. Does, does Tom Brady still have it or is he human? So that's that. I, I'll, I'll tell you, man, these, these games fucking suck. These, these, these games. I mean, to have two games that are, that are nine and a half point spreads, the Buffalo games, a 13 and a half point spread. Nobody wants to watch the Buccaneers giant Vikings. Like the giants stink. I it just, it's yeah, all I don't it, think the giants are that bad. Rebs. I mean, I don't really have any interest. In, I, I just, there's nothing about that team. Well, that this is what happens when you dilute play. the playoffs. This is all I these agree. sports, all these sports leagues want the fucking revenue from the TV and then they dilute their product. I the, totally the, the agree. NCAA tournament's about to expand and it's going to be the darkest day of my life. I totally agree. The, the, the best game of this entire wild card weekend, which maybe isn't saying much because it has the tightest spread, but the Chargers Jags game is going to be like a real game to watch. By the way, I, I, I actually I see the board clearly. I might bet on every single game. Really? I love the Chargers. The Jets yeah. did people did the people not watch that Jets Titans game? The Jets were terrible in that game. Lawrence was awful. He was I terrible. Love Justin Herbert too. Yeah, I just think this is this is Herbert's time to shine more than it is Trevor Lawrence. Herbert's been waiting in, in line Thomas a little Mike longer. Williams than is probably not playing on Sunday. I mean Saturday. So I do Shout also have. I do also have this this uh, theory that Staley is like an, as a double agent for some other team because how so he bad. is he is beyond awful, and I hope nothing for Justin Herbert more than that, that he gets canned and they can get a real coach in there because he is he actively tries to lose them games. It's incredible, but dude, I that Bengals game earlier in the season where they went for it on like fourth and five at midfield. Yeah. Like, he's in it. He's a beast. With 45 seconds left. I was like, um, what is going on? Yeah. I have never it seen anything insane. like it. He's terrible. That guy's an insane person. He is an idiot. Um, but okay. Playoff football is still here. Enjoy it while it lasts because come after the, what the second week of February, it's gone. It's gone until the fall. So I will great. say this: NFL playoffs, I think, are probably the problem is our teams never really been I, been in the mix for an NFL playoff game. It's probably my least favorite playoffs. Yeah, I mean the the Super Bowl's solid, but I I yeah I don't I don't disagree. There's like three or four good. Last year was awesome because that Bills Chiefs game, like you'll usually get one really good conference championship game, but there's a lot of stinkers. Yeah, I'm ex- you know, I, I think I'm excited to see the Eagles play. Yeah. I just wanna I just need to know, like I, I need to know. Like, are they the real deal? They've been good all year, obviously, but they feel like a team who loses in the divisional. As you as you said though, Collins, like the best thing you can hope for is another Bills Chiefs AFC championship. It is criminal that they're playing at a neutral site, but obviously some things are bigger than sports. Um yep. okay, that's it. Motown rundown, we're done for the day. Uh, for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Join the conversation with us on social media. We are at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are exclusively on Spotify for the time being. Um, you can listen to all our episodes there, new episodes every single week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, glad we got to share a, tr- a tremendous end of the Lions season. Things are looking up in this city. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe one day. 2023 is our year for someone has to be 
Thanks for listening. I love you guys.